This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Fellow Russian broadcasting live from, from uh, the, the, the pavilion beside the community garden that's what i'm gonna call it here in oxford a wonderful community garden they've had it going quite some time and some people are getting ready to plant some people got stuff going on there's lettuces there's all sorts of herbs i spotted some poison ivy in the corner so we're gonna have some great fall colors but uh anyway we're gonna be talking about gardening today just gardening that's what i do and uh, i try not to make stuff up try not to sell anything but if you've got some things you'd like to talk about this is a good opportunity uh, i'm retired extension i've got a horticulture degrees but i also taught just plain old d-i-r-t dirt gardening and if you saw my pickup truck with all the stuff going in the back you know that i have figured out some plants that will grow in some tough places uh, i've got rosemary and basil and kale i'm about to pull the uh the kale and the and the uh pansies out and replace them with some summer stuff but other than that it's just a real garden in a box in the back of a pickup truck and we're taking it all over the state and today we're in oxford where we're going to be in in uh, south haven at social park uh, tomorrow morning, Saturday. So if you're listening and you're anywhere near North Mississippi, I'm talking to you people in Memphis. Come on down. It might rain, so just wear a hat. So anyway, if you want to give us some calls and talk about gardening, uh, we've got a, a wonderful audience here in Oxford. If there's anything y'all want to talk about, step right up because that's all, that's all I'm doing here. Uh, I mean, I can talk for 45 minutes about a pencil because I'm retired extension, okay? So uh, don't make me do that. So if anybody's got any gardening questions, come on up and just just talk, just come on up and talk to the microphone. While you're doing that, let me mention this. I was in Indianola yesterday and talking about the three chords of gardening. You know, if you know three different chords on a guitar, you can play Amazing Grace, uh, Gilligan's Island, Sweet Home Alabama. But the, the trick is which chords and what order and how do you go from one to the next? And that's what's called making music. Gardening is the same way. We got plants all different kinds of plants. They've got techniques, what I call dirt, watering and all the techniques. And then we have people without plants, without dirt and without people, you can't have a garden. And every possible kind of plant, every possible kind of person, every possible kind of, of uh, anything, you mix them together and that's what makes different kinds of music. We can get along. How are you? What's your name? What's, what's up? Brenda Pearson. I needed to know how to attract more bees to your garden. Okay, you want to know how to attract more bees. For, for one thing, just plant stuff, lots of stuff that have flowers on it. Bees will come. If they're there, they'll come. And the more different kinds of plants you have that ha they have flowers, the more bees are going to find it. They're not going to find just one little lantana sitting out in the middle of the parking lot. So just mix plants up so you have something in bloom pretty much all the time because bees don't, they, they don't really appreciate something that flowers for two weeks and then it's gone. See, so a mixture of stuff. Uh, some vegetables are, are, are good for bees, you know, squash and all, but also a lot of wildflowers that are, are, are quality enough to put in landscapes, but also uh, any kind of zinnias, uh, pearwind, any kind of long-blooming flower, and mix it all up. The more you have, the more not just bees, but also butterflies, maybe hummingbirds, and even a tiny little fly that looks like a yellow jacket. It's called a hoverfly. Look just like little yellow jacket, and they are incredible pollinators, and they won't sting. So lots of variety. Thank you. You bet. Appreciate it. Now, Felder, we're here in Oxford, but I just got a text message. They don't believe nobody's anybody's here, so we can get the crowd to make some noise. If you're happy to be here this morning, you're happy to be here this morning. 
We're on the phone on on the road, Felder, and this is a far cry from uh last week where we were on the coast in the monsoon. That's right. I mean, it was blowing. We had lightning going sideways in front of us last week. And uh, by the way, folks, this is Java, Java, and my truck. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm gonna say this: Java spent his childhood here in Oxford. Yeah, my mother. My this is my mother's hometown. Um, um, one of my aunts actually went to Ole Miss and, uh, I spent many a summers around this park. Um, um, the library, the light, yeah, the library. I told you earlier, that's where I used to get my, uh, my sci-fi books and my werewolf and Frankenstein books <laughs> when I was young. But, uh, yeah, Oxford is a, holds a near and dear place to my heart. Cause like I said, this is where my mother's right. from. Yeah. But Felder, we do have, we do have, uh, you know, this is a live show. So people call in cause they want to. Pick your brain. We have uh, Francis in Natchez um, who wants to call in and wants to uh, ask you a question this morning. Morning, Francis. How are you? Hey, Felder. Thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, I've got hey, a couple of questions for you. About six years ago, I bought a Mayhall tree. This was the first year that it ever bloomed. And about 10 little Mayhalls come on it, but they fell off. Uh, what do I need to do with that bush? Second question. I got cucumbers and I got squash growing in uh, that I'm going to put in my garden. Do you need rows to uh, plant this stuff or flat ground, or do you let it climb up on trellises, uh, 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 get it up off the ground? Uh, both of those are good questions, Francis. Uh, let me answer the first one. Mayhaws are good native plants. You see them down in a low wet area, especially in South Mississippi, and they're related to crab apples. And uh, if you plant one that's grown from a seed, it's going to take seven, eight years to reach maturity. If you grow it from a cutting, it's ready to go. So once it starts flowering, it's going to be better next year. And keep in mind that they like to have bees to pollinate the flower, just like crab apples and apples and pears. And also, if we have weird weather, <laughs> <laughs> who imagine having weird weather if it blooms and it starts raining uh the bees can't work the flowers see so a lot of times it's when it flowers you just hope that you have decent weather and late frost and you have enough bees and all that so just give it some time if it never makes fruit ain't it pretty when it blooms okay Got you now, know uh, down here we uh we don't i don't have uh honeybees i got a lot of bumblebees and i got a lot of yeah. butterflies uh, the do they, uh, are they good pollinators? The, the bumblebee, a lot of times what you see is a bumblebee is really those carpenter bees that drill holes in wood, and uh, they're excellent pollinators. I didn't have any honeybees in my yard uh, uh, when I needed them. I planted some blueberries, Francis, and uh, I took them over to my son's house. They were still in pots about a month ago, and they were blue. I put them out by his backyard, and they got pollinated, and I brought them back to my yard. So if you don't have bees, maybe you take your plant to where they are. But anyway, let me ask you the question about the uh, about the vegetables. Uh, if the if the plants stay wet, their roots rot. So we like to put them on a little hill or a little row, or you know, just mound it up a little bit so that it drains away if we have heavy rains. But not so high you got to water all the time. Uh, so if you'll just add a little, dig your dirt. You got pretty good dirt in Natchez, but if you'll dig it up a little bit and stir in maybe a little bit of cheap potting soil or cheap compost, anything that comes in a bag, stir them together, sort of like crackers in a bowl of chili. You're going to have a whole lot better plant. Don't overdo it. Just add a little bit of stuff to help the roots get deep. And the cucumbers are all going to need something to climb on. Gotcha. Thanks a lot, Appreciate Hey, we're going to be in Natchez, uh, I think, in like two weeks or something. Job is looking that up. When are we going to be there? Oh, yeah, looking it up. Real. May, May the 7th. We're going to be in Natchez on May the 7th. 
So I hope to see you there. Bring, bring me some cucumbers. <laughs> All right. You got a deal. Appreciate it. Next, okay. on, uh, next on the line, uh, Felder, we have actually, I wish she would come down because it's Wendy in Oxford, but she's on the phone. <laughs> Where are you, Wendy? It ain't Wendy down here on two counts <laughs> that I know of. What's up? Hey, Felder. I figured with Howdy. that big crowd, I'd do better on the phone calling in. Oh, they're all spread out. They got masks on, and the ones that aren't, they said they got shot, so I'm going to trust them on that. So what, what's well, up? Listen, what can I help you with today? I got, I've been listening to you talk about Asiatic Jasmine in the past, but I haven't heard answers to these <clears throat> Excuse me, three questions. Um, I have it around my house, and uh, I have a bed next to the house and then hollies and then the grass. And the Asiatic jasmine has kind of strangled up the hollies a little bit, and now it's escaped into the lawn. And I've heard you say the only solution is hand-picking, and I have to say, really? Is that true? Well, Wendy, uh, let, let me brag a little bit. I've written 30-something books. I've got degrees on top of degrees. I've been gardening for 40 or 50 years of ignoring Asiatic jasmine. I'm working with people at Asiatic jasmine for decades, and if there was something easier, I'd know it. I was afraid you know, of that. Even, even Roundup, Roundup just bees up and rolls off. See, so even herbicides, uh, if you want to use them, it doesn't work. So luckily it doesn't have underground runners. It's got stems that are real close to underground. So if you can get out when it's kind of moist uh, with the ground so easy and get up under there on your hands and knees and pull it as best you can. Wear some gloves because it's going gonna, it's gonna to booger up your hands. But uh, go ahead and pull as much as you can. Just have a fit. Have a hissy fit and pull up as much as you can, and then uh, someone's going to come back. But if you pull it before it gets established, the second pulling is a piece of cake. So it's not okay. easy, but pull what you can, and then make sure to go back and pull what comes back before it gets started again. Uh, it's not fun, but, you know, if you can see my hands and how boogered up they are, I've been pulling all sorts of stuff the past week in my yard. If okay. there's anything easier, I would, I would know about it. Well, let me ask you another couple things, too. It, some people say that it kills shrubs, and it's wrapped around it my hollies. Will, it, will they do it that? It doesn't. Nope. It doesn't. Okay. Next and, question. And, and I did lose some shrubs, but I also have voles, and I wonder if there's any kind of teamwork going on between the jasmine and the voles. Have you ever seen that? Nope. Nope. Jasmine is something we brought in from Asia. It's a terrific ground cover. When it gets away from it, it gets into other stuff, it can be a real thug. And it's just, it's just a plant. It doesn't have, it's neither good nor bad, but it can be in spots that are, are, are not to our benefit. Okay. It's just a plant. All right. Just a plant. Appreciate it. All right. It. Well, thank come, you hey, so much. I appreciate it. Well, you, you get in your car and come down here. <laughs> All right. I'll see you we, in a minute. We came up here. We've been telling folks for years – we, we've been telling folks that uh, for, for years, Mississippi Public Broadcasting is not Jackson. It is the entire state. And uh, so we're taking out to the state. And some of you, uh, you know, who are you know, out in, in the boondocks, come on in. We don't care how you dress. There's people here barely dressed. And I ran to a fellow over there. He's got a big old Miss shirt and got an old hippie-looking uh, uh, woven hat. He said he has a 100-year-old kudzu he grows on purpose. So there's room for everybody in this big old pavilion. Other questions? And, and y'all are welcome. Yes, sir. It's not about plants, but it's about enemy of plants. Uh, we got a lot of fire ants over here. Oh, and yeah. We, and we, and, in the community garden, and we try to be organic uh, and create systems where they just don't come. 
Uh, do you have any organic um, recipes for fire ants? Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Everybody, this time of year when it rains, fire ant mounds tend to split up into more mounds. They spread this time of year. They're not going to be as bad later. So if you sort of get a grip on them now, they won't be as bad later. This is their time to spread. Uh, a lot of people talk about diatomaceous earth. They have to crawl over it. It cuts them. You know, but that washes away after a good rain. There are some organic insecticides that work and not going to harm your bees, but you have to treat the mound. Uh, but you know, I've heard all sorts of stuff like boric acid and all that. To me, the easiest thing to do would be to, to look at it as a total garden approach. And, and, uh, and even if you want to keep it organic, that doesn't mean you can't put some fire ant bait around your fence that they'll take back to the nest. In other words, you don't have to, to treat your garden or the plants to get rid of the ants. If you can treat the mound in the evening when all the ants are in the mound, by morning they're gone before the bees start working the garden again. Anyway, there are some, some, uh, some natural insecticides that work fine. I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but I, but, but I could figure it out. Um, to me, the, the two easiest ways to deal with fire ants, and I've dealt with them since I started with the Extension Service back in 1980. There's, one is ignore them the best you can. If you've got a mound, leave it alone, and it will just be one mound. They won't pop up everywhere after this year. So work around them. Uh, or else, if you can, if you'll treat the, the individual mound late in the day while they're all in one spot, then even if you use a, an, a fire ant uh, poison, it's gone by the next morning, and it's not going to be absorbed by plants that are a foot or more away. So it's not easy. We try to be organic, but fire ants change. They're not from here. You know, they're not organic. <laughs> They're not part of the system, and sometimes we have to you know, have to deal with foreign life forces as best we can. So not a great answer, but um, personally, I don't see a problem in treating the mounds late in the day. And, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather, yeah, I answer the question best I can. I'm stumbling around here, Java. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our uh, first break for the hour. We got Sabina from Columbus coming up after the break on the phone. And then we're going to take some more calls from the audience, correct? All right, yeah. all right, all right. And, 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 we, and, we, and we're doing two cheesy, two cheesy tunes today, right? You, you sent two in the email. That's right. And by the way, Jay White, another producer at MPB, is back in the studio trying to make us all look tall and smart. So we'll be back with more right after this. MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. All right. 
tell you, folks, we are digging in the dirt, metaphorically anyway, metaphorically. Uh, I just got a note that a fellow from Nolan, uh, excuse me, a guy named Nolan is listening in from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Woo! Hey, no, no. And also, I uh, had a lady who had a question about uh, boxwood. She didn't want to go on the air, but she wanted to know about re- rejuvenated boxwood. I didn't see where she went. Anyway, oh, this uh, bifocals, you can get the sun to your back. You can cut a boxwood down to about a foot tall, and two things are going to happen. It's going to sprout back out, but it's going to take it a couple of months. It will. But meanwhile, your neighbors are going to talk bad about you because it looked like you killed it. But you can cut a boxwood back like you can a holly or rose or any other broadleaf plant. Junipers and cedars are about the only plants that don't like to be cut hard. But if you cut a boxwood back, I took one that was chest high to me in my yard and cut it down to knee high last year. It sprouted out with new growth and it started getting long. So I came back and I tip pruned the new growth and it bushed out and uh, I pruned it again this spring and I got a nice little tight boxwood again. But it's... You know, we feel like it's a hard thing to do to a plant, but it's like plucking eyebrows. They'll be right back. So uh, you said uh, we got from. We have uh, Sabina. I'm not sure where she's where uh, Sabina is calling from, uh, but we Sabina. But Sabina's on the line. Where are you calling from, Sabina? She not paying attention now. Anyway, while, while he's doing that, let me mention this. Next week, I'm going to be bro- we're going to be broadcasting live from the farmer's market in Columbus, Mississippi. And the next day, we're going to be up in Tupelo, Saturday the 31st. We're going to be in Tupelo. So we, we're trying to get around the state as best we can. Hope to see some of y'all at South Haven uh, Saturday morning, uh, Associated Park. going to start about 930. So anybody have any questions, y'all feel free to just step right on up and, and talk because that's all I do. I just... I just talk about flowers and stuff. Somebody said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I talk about flowers. They said, no, really. I said, no, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out last year because of COVID, I had to, uh, I, I didn't have to, but I got to stay in my home instead of going to England like I usually do. And um, they won't let me in because I'm from America and the passport says, I got COVID. So anyway, I, I learned that last year I'm not that good a gardener. <laughs> I planted a lot of stuff, and some of it made it, some of it didn't. I had some weeds, I had bugs, I had stink bugs and fire ants. I had all sorts of things that go wrong. The difference is, horticulturally, I knew what was going wrong, and I wish I could have done something. So I planned ahead this year. Instead of planting stuff in in single groups like corn and and, uh, tomatoes and peppers, I planted groups of corn, and a few feet later, another group of corn, a few uh, another group of corn, and then planted stuff around those, squash and beans. And I put zinnias around. In other words, I mixed stuff up. And not only did it grow better, but it, if something died, it wasn't so obvious because it wasn't in long, skinny rows. So, well, actually, now let's go to another call in Oxford. Oh, fooey. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go, let's talk to Mary, Mary in Oxford. Hi, hi Mary. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I heard Good. you talking about fire ants. And I heard somewhere, I don't remember where, that if you put cream of wheat on top of the uh, fire ant mound, that will make them move somewhere else. But I had an epiphany, I hope. I put bird food around it. So the birds yep. came and ate the bird food and the ants. Wow. Well, you know... Well, it sound, I'm speechless. 
<laughs> but and by the way, they were pulling your leg. You know, Oxford has got a lot of diverse people from all over the country. It's a it's a, a famous known all over the country as a wonderful place to retire, to to move, to raise kids, and all like that. But it was somebody from up north who said cream of wheat because we are grits people. Well, I'm I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. And, and by the way, the, the grits. Actually, the grits well, the, uh, a hillbilly is what we call you from up in the yeah, mountains. That's what I am. <laughs> there, the the idea that the idea that grits kills fire ants is one of the most pervasive myths based on zilch. It does not work, but it makes people feel better. So go for it. Well, the bird, the bird food seems to work. Okay. That's well, good bird. luck on it. <laughs> well, appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Uh huh. Bye. Grits. Cream of, who eats cream of wheat? Weeds? Come on, folks. This is a grits country. Uh, next, let's go to uh, Laura in Hattiesburg on the phone. Hey, Laura. Good morning. Okay. Hey, Felder. How are you? So far, so good. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I had a couple of questions about um, yard stuff. So in my front yard, I've got a ditch that constantly has running water in it to just, you know, because it's drainage. Um, is there anything that I can plant there that won't stop up the ditch but keep the ground from eroding? No. No? Okay. Well, <laughs> I was you know, hoping maybe there, like there, cloth there, lilies or something like that. But the, the, the thing is you have to have something that, that you can't stop the water, but you have to slow it down, which means you need something that's going to be thick and matted and evergreen, something that's there all the time. Uh, there's a lady uh, in Oxford who's got some Asiatic jasmine she'll share with you. Uh, but well, that also, was going to be one know, of my uh, questions before she called. Okay, but 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 think about this. You know, I drive all over the state. I have for years, and I work with native plants for a long time. We have some terrific perennials that like to be in a low wet ditch that dries out in the summertime. Uh, you know, this yellow flags iris. This is, people call it yellow Louisiana iris. Yeah, I have some of that in my backyard. It'll, it'll grow in the ditch. It'll grow better in the ditch because it likes to be wet part of the year. Also, we have a plant that a lot of people call a weed. It's called dollar weed. It's got a real round, slick leaf. It likes wet areas. Uh, but if you'll put a mixture of stuff, groups of plants, think instead of planting the whole ditch, think about planting groups repeated along there, and the, and the water will hit those, water them, and it'll slow them down and divert. In other words, plant groups of stuff. Uh, there's another plant called blue star. The Latin name is Amsonia. I know it sounds like a mouthful, but it's right now it's blooming all the ditches over in the Delta. Really, really, one of the top 10 perennials in English gardens, and it grows in ditches in Mississippi, Amsonia. We also have tall, narrow-leaf sunflower and wild azure. We just have tons of plants that you'll find naturally growing in the ditches. And the reason they're there, first of all, they like it. Second of all, the mowers can't get to them. We have some wonderful uh, plants. If you think about planting groups of them and maybe even put uh, like a, not a dam, but like a little small levee here and there just to slow the water down like a terrace, then you'll find instead of having a long straight ditch, you'll have a series of little gardens uh, that then the water doesn't run as fast. So think, put stuff across the ditch and either up or downstream from those things, plant your combination of some plants that like that low wet area. And I could give you a whole list of other plants, but if you'll ride around Lafayette County and, and anywhere in the state, you'll start seeing some really cool stuff down the ditches. That's pretty enough to look in your yard, look good in your yard. Does that help? Okay. That does. That does. And my last question was about stickers. When is the threshold <laughs> to get rid of them? I feel like I may have passed okay. that threshold already this year. <laughs> okay. Now, you know the name of this program, the Gestalt Gardener. 
is not the horticultural <laughs> class 101. I can tell you all sorts of stuff to get rid of to kill stickers. But, uh, and, and by the way, whatever will kill dandelions will kill stickers. The trick is you need to spray in late December, January, or February. When the stickers are small, they're easy to kill. The herbicide is not going to damage other stuff. But by the time it becomes a problem, like many of our weeds, that are, excuse me, our wildflowers, our meadow laws, <laughs> the clovers and the dandelions and the stickers, all those things, by the time they start warming up and growing and flowering and setting seeds in, uh, in March and April, weed killers just don't work as well on them. So if you want to control them, get them while they're small and while your other stuff is dormant. Now, that's, that's the, 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 the way to control it. To me, an easier way is to go out to Dollar General and get your pair of flip-flops and forget about them. Because you're going to have stickers, and I'll tell you why. Because I can tell you don't water your grass, you don't, you don't fertilize it, and you mow it too close. That's the reason you got stickers. Am well, I right? I, I was kind of, yeah, I, it could be, because my yard guys, I just bought the house last year, and I didn't notice them last year, but they're here yeah. this year. And I fertilized well, you, this year, and then, you know, I, I think they are cutting it too short. Yeah. Cause it looks like it's getting yeah. burned. Sticker, stickers Almost. are a symptom they're a symptom that you've got a real thin lawn. The number one, two, and three ways to control stickers have nothing to do with sprays. Mow higher, which nobody likes to do, but the grass wants to be mowed high. It'll get thicker. Fertilize at least every two or three or four years, sometime in April. And if you can give it a good soaking at least once a month when we go without rain in the summer, mowing right, fertilizing lightly, and occasional deep soaking will help your grass get thick, tall, dense, and you're not going to have any stickers. So stickers are the okay. symptom, uh, and the herbicides are just treating the, the symptom. That's all. Okay. Well, Meanwhile, I flip, figured that was what you were going to tell me because, you know, I've been pulling weeds all week. And, like, Felder always says, uh, fertilize, it, it, fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. No, 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 no. Felder doesn't say fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. He said give it a little fertilizer every two or three or four years, a little bit. Every now, too much is worse than none at all. But uh, I'm looking around here uh you know we're at by armory pavilion and uh and start startable sorry <laughs> oops <laughs> i have a brother sister graduated from Ole miss all right but i'm looking out here and they've got this huge expanse of turf out here and it's got uh it's clover and all sorts of stuff but you can come back in a month it's gonna just be grass and the reason it's gonna be mostly grass is because they mow high only every two or three weeks that's the key to a good lawn is mowing alone. And 80% of all your weed control is how you mow your grass. And this is not Felder's opinion. Felder doesn't care. I don't care. I'm a turf specialist. I wrote the forward to the book. I don't have a blade of grass in my yard. I don't care what you do in your yard. So when I say that this is what to do, I'm looking at it from the grass's point of view. I'm on your lawn side. And if you don't want to have a good lawn, then let's learn how to love stickers because they're pretty and flip-flops will keep them out of your feet. Am I getting, am I ranting here? Uh, you went on a small, uh, small tear. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I know we have our cheesy tune coming up, but let's go and talk with, uh, or I think Jay's pushing us to break. Jay's telling us time to go. Hey, by the way, if you listen to this tune, this was recorded live in this little town uh, out here. They have the farmer's market and all. Drawing a blank. What's that? Taylor. This is recorded live in Taylor, Mississippi by a local band on the back of a, of a truck. We'll be back with more MPB right after this.
sun All day long I'm sitting singing songs for everyone Sit beside a mountain stream See her waters rise Listen to the pretty sound of music as she flies Do, do, do Find me in my field of grass, Mother Nature's son. Swaying daisies sing a lazy song beneath the sun. Public Broadcasting, Java Chapman, and, and, and I, I, I've, I've got to brag on this, man. You know, my pickup truck and Java are more popular than I am. And everywhere I go, you drive your truck? I'm thinking, eh, yeah, that's all I got to drive. But they always ask about Java. But I want to let y'all know that his Aunt Dilsey made it down here this morning. <laughs> morning, Aunt Dilsey. I'm, so how, how much trouble was Java when he was a kid? <laughs> you can't tell. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Go ahead and say something to Aunt Dilsey. No, I, I, well, I'm, I'm deeply honored that uh, my Aunt Dilsey was able to join us this morning because what, that is where I would spend my summers here, um, here in Oxford. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. It's a homecoming. Okay, folks, if you've got some things, yeah. Again, we're going we're to be in, in South Haven, uh, Mississippi, just south of the state line uh, on Saturday morning for about 930 at Social Park. And we're going to be broadcasting live from Columbus Farmers Market next Friday. And uh, then we're going to be at the at uh, a big do in Tupelo uh, next Saturday. We'll give details about that next week. I brought my grandmother's concrete chicken. A lot of people uh, have heard about my truck and uh, want to know if I drive it. Yeah, this truck has got about 600 miles on it the past week. And uh, the plants, the oregano, the basil, uh, I mean, the oregano and the, the rosemary is holding up. The kale is holding up. The pansies and viola is going to start petering out real soon. I'm going to just pull them out and stick some, some uh, basil and some little zinnias in their holes. That's just what we do. It's called gardening. But I've got uh, little shrubs. I've got perennials. I got one plant I prune just to, I mean, I don't cut my hair, but you can look at that, that golden uh, ligustrum and tell at least I know what to do. I know how to prune stuff if I have to. But anyway, it's all, I started this truck garden because people are whining about not being able to garden. I'm thinking if I can grow in the back of a pickup truck, you can garden anywhere. It's just a box. It's bigger than a window box, but not better. Anybody, any of y'all have any questions uh, about gardening while I'm here? 
Yeah, it's a hot, it's a hot mic. Um, and I think we have uh one of my favorite guys that I recently met. Uh, introduce yourself. Hey, Felder. Welcome to Oxford, and thank you for bringing the coolest man in Mississippi, Mr. Java Tapman, to go. town. There you go. There we you got go. a lot of cool people in Oxford. That's the man right there. Okay, now before be, before you ask your question, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you're the guy who says you got a hundred year old kudzu. That's vine. right. You need y'all need to come see it. And you're gonna put some typewriters on sticks and grow vines well, off well, of. Here's what I'm gonna do. You've heard of Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. Right. Well, I've got these 16 foot, 12 by 12 poles. And I'm going to put four feet in the ground. I'll have 12 feet up there. And I'm going to use some Avent Dairy milk crates to make planters on top there of it. There you them. go. And I'm going to put some antique typewriters on top of that and plant vines inside them so they'll grow up through the typewriters. You yep. know, we like typewriters here in typewriters. Lafayette County. Yeah, we, we, call it, we call it Little Brother Hinge. Little Brother Hinge. Isn't that the brand of typewriters? Oh, well, no, I use a Remington. Rem okay, yeah. Remington hens. Underwood is good. Underwood hens. But my question is, I'm going to plant, I'm going to, I was going to go with kudzu, but I'm going to use these ornamental sweet potatoes. Yeah, they're good And plant. it's going to be 12 feet in the air. So I don't mind getting high, but I don't want to have to grind a, 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 a ladder, you know, yeah. to do anything to these vines. I want to plant it and let it go. So well, you can need to run you some little tubes up to the top there where you can water while stand on the ground. Oh, so I'm going to have to water. I can't depend on the rain? Nope. Uh, you can go up to Memphis and see they got a Hobby Lobby and get you some fake plants. <laughs> well, I'm a fake gardener, so that worked pretty well. <laughs> anyway. All right, well, the tubes then. Yeah, it, trickle irrigation. It's, uh, you, get, you get your hose that runs out there, and, uh, and, and you get these individual parts like at Home Depot or Lowe's or something, and it's just it's a, a tube. And you screw your hose in the end of it, and every now and then you punch a hole, and it's got a little tube that, that goes up to the top. Oh, so you okay. turn it on, and it runs water up to each pot. All those wonderful hanging baskets you see around pubs in England, they've all got trick, drip irrigation. And nobody out there watering all the time. Well, that's what I, I bet you I can go up the road here to Sneed's Hardware, locally owned place, and Pro get the same stuff. Probably can. Probably right can. All right. We appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate that. Well, we do have some uh, some phone calls to get back okay. to. Okay. I want to mention Whenever you're ready. You, you, the poles that you're talking about, put some chains between them and grow stuff on those too. And if we get trash out of Oxford, let's trash Oxford out. <laughs> Who we got? Uh, let's go back to Sabina in Columbus. Uh, we dropped her a little while ago, but she's back. Sabina in Columbus. Hey, Sabina. Sorry about that. By the way, we're going to be in Columbus uh, at the farmer's market next Friday, so come on down and see us. But what you got this morning? Okay, I have some uh, knockout roses, and I have on one there is new growth, but that new growth is it's really bunchy, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and and the leaves are kind of they really be becoming narrow, narrow yeah. leaves. What is that? Un unfortunately, and I hate you know. I if, I wish I could just be cheerful all the time. And I'm cheerful. You know, the antihistamines help. But in general, I have to be the bearer of bad news. And there's a disease, a virus out there that's called rose rosette. It's spread by insects from one plant to the other and by pruning shears. And it causes the new growth to be twisty and bunchy and knotty. And it just looks really, really funny. And unfortunately, there's no cure for it. It's a virus. So the plant that has it, uh, you need to go. It's not going to get any better. 
So I would go ahead and pull it up. And before you prune it and prune your other plants, uh, you know, in other words, don't cut on it and then your other plants because you'll spread the virus on your pruning shears. So I would just dig it up and, uh, and, and hope that it hadn't gotten the other plants already. So, okay. and I'm sorry, rose rosette is a real thing. Is, now, is this, uh, we, I've grown roses before, and I've, I never had any problems with that, but th- these were tea roses. Is it, are, I know. Are I, these, I, I understand. These, but this is, the, this is a disease that spread all over the country, all over the South, and again, it's called Rose Rosette. We're real familiar with it, and you had not had it yet because you've been lucky. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's something all of us rose growers, and I've been growing roses for half a century. I've got over, I've got dozens of roses in an old cemetery, and I've got maybe 15 in my own garden. And if I see one hint of rose rosette, I'm pulling that plant up because there's nothing else I can do about it. So, anyway, it's something that's coming. And I, like I say, it's just something to hunker down and realize when you pull it up out of that hole, you got a hole for something else already dug. So, that's the good news. Exactly. I, I never thought of it that way. Thank you so well, you, much. You know, my, my approach is if you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it. And you sound I like you heard all... about this, and I thought I need a cocktail to find out from the authority. So thanks so much. All righty. Sorry. Bad news is ain't nothing you can do. Good news is we already halfway towards a new plant. Thank you. Uh, by the way, we've got some plants people brought in for a plant swap. I see, uh, looks like, oh, what is this little plant right here? Deep Blue Vein Cape Primrose. Who brought a primrose? You know they don't grow in Oxford, Lafayette County. But, it, oh, it's an indoor plant. It's sort of like a big African violet. That's great. And we also have a red buckeye tree, which is a native tree. And it's all out in the woods. When it blooms, hummingbirds follow it from the coast all the way up into Canada. And we've got a little columbine and a... Uh, and, uh, uh, Okay, drawing a blank. Gladiolus, there. I helped that. Any other questions? Well, we do have a question from uh, Cindy, Cindy and Brandon on the phone. Hi, Cindy. What's up? Hey, Felder. I don't know if you remember last year when we went to the floor plant swap. You know, we didn't have a good turnout. So I got an email the other day, and the Flora Public Library Spring Plant Swap is next Wednesday, the 28th. At nine o'clock, from nine to eleven, at the it's at the gin again, like last time. I'm glad you reminded that this is the oldest plant swap in the known universe, literally. There's no. I belong to a plant swap group in Sheffield, England. It's the oldest one in England, but it's only been going about 15 years. The floor plant swap, the Jan Swat can start at the library, has been going since 1990 without missing a single year. So I'll see you next Wednesday there. Okay. Right. It's going to be outside, and you're supposed to wear a mask. So see you yeah. then. It works fine. Thank you so much. That's a, okay. It's not going to be in the right. library. It's going to be right, right across the railroad tracks from the library in Flora. And, uh, by the way, the Master Gardeners, the Metro Master Gardeners in Jackson are having a huge plant swap at Monell Gardens Saturday from 8 till 10. They've got an incredible number of plants, fruits, native plants, wildflowers, uh, yard plants, all sorts of stuff they've been growing for a whole year. So if you get down to Monell Gardens 8 to 10 on Saturday morning, Master Gardeners, and you get to walk through the beautiful little gardens there too. So. Got, a, got, got somebody stepping up to the mic here in Oxford. Yes, so I have a question. We have a house with a front bed that has what my neighbor calls hootenanny in it. Um, apparently <laughs> the people who owned the house before we did planted it, and I have done my best to get rid of it with no success. So I have no problems with uh, poison, 
give me the yeah. strongest poison you can recommend, but um, it's really, it's just it's a, a pretty, but Hutenia, got Houtinia, two teeth. okay. Yeah, and uh, it's got a real slick leaf, a little ground cover. Is it the variegated kind, got the spice of the color on the leaves? Yeah, and it does these little white flowers, yeah, yeah. and it stinks. It's one, of those, it's, it's one of those plants that, uh, that everybody says, ooh, this nice, and the next thing you know, this all over everywhere. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, and it grows in wet areas, too, low wet areas. Yeah, it's well, you got, put it in a French drain, it's not helping. No, nope. <laughs> uh, it has a slick leaf, though. Weed killers beat up and roll off. So this is another case where you just need to dig it as best you can, come back a couple of months later and get what you missed, and you're going to have to come back with this one one more time. Each well, time I come this back season. with it like every year. Like we but have when it, get as much as you can the first time, and then don't wait till next year. Come back a few weeks later when something's come back and get it before it has a chance to get reestablished. In other words, you want to peter it out instead of pulling it up, let it get reestablished, and doing that. So it could take at least two or maybe three pullings a few weeks apart. Each time gets easier, but if you don't follow it up, what little piece you left is going to take over. Okay. So poison ain't gonna help me. Po I, you know, I, I don't have a problem using any kind of pesticides carefully, but uh, there's not one I would know that would kill that plant. Sorry, sorry, that's the truth. Yes, sir. Good morning. I need to ask you a question. Put it this close to This is about the sasanqua. Sasanqua, right? Yeah. And uh, in the spring, the leaves, some new leaves come out, and they are kind of discolored, whitish, and thick. Well, thick, right? And it uh, happens every year. And I wonder if, why it happened. I, Am I, I doing something wrong? No, you're not doing something wrong. This is a, it's a type of fungus, and uh, it's commonly called Azalea camellia gall. It gets on another plant, G-A-L-L. -L. The fungus gets on the brand-new leaves in the spring, and it makes them thick, and it looks like and distorted and weird-colored, and, and it's kind of spongy. It looks, it looks terrible. But it only gets on the new leaves only in the springtime. So if you just pluck those off and throw them away or drop them on the ground, it'll come back every year, but it's not going to hurt your plant. It's just temporary. And the new growth that's coming out right now doesn't have it on it. So you, you either pray about it or spray it. Is that right? Pray by it or spray by it? Yeah, spray it. Why spray it. No, there's, no, it alone. there's no need to spray. This is a fungus. You know, if, if you don't need to do something, I would. This only affects a new growth just in the spring. If you, you can ignore it, and they'll fall off, but the new growth will be fine. Or just pluck them off. Okay. It's not a big deal to the plant is what I'm saying. Thank you. It's a terrible-looking thing. It looks it's just not a gall-looking thing. Any of y'all have that on camellias or azaleas, new growth? And, again, it's just a springtime thing. So, okay, we, we have a lady come on up here. I happen to know she's from England, and she's been out jogging. She, she saw the crowd. She jogged on in. Get close yeah. to the microphone. Well, I've got a very nice stand of sedge. Get a little bit close to the microphone. Okay, a, a very nice stand of sedge, and I've interplanted it with some bulbs, some ni very nice daffodils and bluebells and stuff. But it's also decided that it's going to be interplanted by itself with uh, wild oats. Yeah, and I don't like the wild oats. I want to get rid of the wild oats without using my elbow grease. Yeah, well, well wild oats. There, it's a grass. Yes, it is. And again, so I, is I, 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 I don't, it, I, it, I don't have a real problem with using certain things carefully. And there is a material that only kills true grasses without hurting other plants. It's, oh. it's sold by names like Grass Be Gone. Uh, garden centers will have all sorts of brands. Okay, so it's not going to hurt the sedge. It, oh, no, it's not going to hurt the sedge. You want to get rid of the sedge too? No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. The sedge is doing just fine. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have one other question. Okay. Um, I, I have like a, a courtyard, and on one side of the courtyard, which gets all of the sun, um, I used to have a wonderful fig, and it was huge, and it gave me lots of figs. And then for a couple of years, we had very bad rains in the winter, and uh, the water pooled around the fig, fig, and it died. Yeah. Now all I can grow there is wild violets. Yeah. What can I put there besides the wild violets? Okay. Um, so you, you had a fig tree in the low wet area. It, it got root rot. It died. And now you got wild violets. Where can you put it? You know, you can put another fig there if you work the dirt up and make it like a little mound, sort of like a baseball pitcher. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you're making a face. I'm just helping you <laughs> best I can. I love Anna. But there's so many choices. We have a lot of great plants that like low wet areas. Uh, there's a there, it dries out in the summer. Uh, that dry, the, wet in the winter time dries out in the summer. We have tons of plants that grow in those kind of conditions. Native plants. Uh, there's one, uh, a little small plant that's called uh, Virginia sweet spire, and it's loaded with flowers. Starting right now, that yeah. the honeybees like. So there's tons of stuff. If it's plant that doesn't like low wet areas, like uh, maples, or you know, just build it up, plant it a little high and pile dirt up to it and let the violets be a sweet little ground cover underneath plant some daffodils in with the violets and it'll just look like you're back in lancashire oh well yeah oh. was never we never in, in lancashire yeah <laughs> she's what we call a southerner yeah and in, and in england that's like saying a yankee <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i know but the 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 violets it just they take, uh, they violets everywhere. are native you can eat yeah. them you can't beat them eat yeah. them but they don't they smell nice no i don't know they, they do smell just on a warm day, warm day. Any, anyway, uh, there's nothing wrong with the violets, but you need something taller. My mother's number one uh, control for weeds was to grow stuff taller than the weeds yeah. and let them become a ground cover. So yeah. that'll help. You can also put a bottle tree out there. I mean, come on, a bottle tree with bottles on it. Why not? And then the violets will sort of be a color echo of the blue bottles. You know, I'm real bad about unsolicited advice. What we got, Java? We have um, Bill. No, 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 I'm sorry. We have Carol in Brookhaven. We're okay. running on the end of the show, but we've got Carol in Brookhaven. Okay, Carol, what's, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is about sweet peas, the flower. Yeah? I have not seen sweet peas in about 50 years down in New Orleans. My OEN had a page fence about six feet long and five feet high covered in these sweet peas it smelled heavenly i cannot get sweet peas to grow what is the secret well the secret is first of all understand they grow all summer in new england and california and england and places where it's cool just like they grow pansies all summer and they grow snapdragons all summer but here they won't sweet peas won't take the heat and the humidity so we have to treat them like we do snapdragons and uh, and and pansies and grow them over the winter so if you'll start the seeds in like January or February, put them out uh, when it starts to warm up a little bit, then they'll grow and bloom. But unfortunately, when it gets really, really hot, sweet peas peter out. They like cool weather, and we have mostly cool with occasional hard freezes in the winter. So plant them for fall or plant them for spring, but don't expect them to live through the summer like they do in England. Okay, so if I plant for the fall, like if I can plant, I'll have them until the frost or something? That's right. They'll take a frost. It just will take a hard freeze. So okay. anyway, start your season August and, and, and send me a picture. No, no, better yet, put some in an envelope in a plastic bag and send it to me so I can open it up and smell them. <laughs> yeah, they're the flower for Thank April, you, you know. So okay. the, yep. but they were well, so we pretty, appreciate it. We're way up here north in Brookhaven. 
So, I mean, they <laughs> ought to grow. <laughs> I know, but, but they won't take the hot, hot summer. Sorry about that. So, anyway, appreciate your call. We've just about run out of time. Uh, we got Lauren in Natchez real quick. Lauren, Lauren in Natchez. She's been I'm, holding. Okay, I'm going to be in Natchez in a couple of weeks, Lauren, but what can I help you with today? Hello, Lauren. Okay. Bye. <laughs> well, yeah, we this, will be in Natchez. This is, this is live radio. So much more comfortable just sitting in a studio, me and Java, just talking back and forth. But here I got to make sure I'm holding my stomach in and all sorts of stuff. But we are, we, but here at MPB, we are taking it to the, she said, she said, apparently I did it. Anyway, Mississippi Public Broadcasting is for the people, is by the people, is one of the, we're the, one of the only states that has this kind of broadcast, and what a great honor it is to go all over the state. Please stop by and visit the foundation, folks. Uh, and if I'm coming to your town, bring something for, for me to talk about, and we'll do that. How much time we got? Uh, we got a time for Bill in the Shoba, uh, in the Shoba County. He's been holding to. Bill, what's up, man? Make it quick. Okay, uh, I I want to put a French drain in by the side of this house that I moved into, and it's all wet there whenever it rains at all. The issue is is that when we moved in, the guy said uh, that the uh, septic drain in somewhere over here is. I don't want to cut into the French drain. Is there some way I can tell where the septic drain ends? Nope. I don't know. Going to have to get out there with the stick and poke around, find out where it's not quite so soggy. I, I don't know any other way. It's going to be physically just going out there and, and poking around until you find it. Sorry. Well, oh, well I think we did it, Felder. Yeah, I feel that, that last one left me a little limp. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the farmer's market in Oxford, Mississippi, it's a, I've been not farm rocket. The uh, the community garden they got stuff going all the time out there. But I noticed that there's a plant sticking out just behind the bathroom, <laughs> that's sticking out there, and it's called pokeberry or pokeweed. And it's outside the fence, so y'all help yourself. You know, you, Java, you never seen pokeberry before. No, I have not. This is the first. Auntie, he wasn't raised right. He wasn't raised right. You know, we'll have to take you to see the magnolia in our front yard, though. I'll do that. I climb in the magnolia tree. Uh, folks, w this time of year, it's time to start fertilizing grass. Mow high if you can. I know I sound like a broken record, but the grass is, please mow me high. Stop cutting me so close. And uh, if you like to fertilize, this is the month. If you don't like to fertilize, at least every three or four months, uh, three or four years, this is the time to do it. And we have lots of time to plant. Maybe the cold weather's passed. I don't know. Who knows? I thought it was a couple of weeks ago, but it's time folks to uh, start gardening for the summertime plant heavy so that some of it dies you can't tell because you still have something left uh, if you have a chance to take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center or just take them out in the yard and wiggle your fingers around the dirt java it's all about teaching people how to do what eat dirty oxford right. thank, thank you for coming so out much. this morning